Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It was an ordinary day when I met Priya. The kind of day you wouldn't expect something extraordinary to happen. My name's Zane, and I was rushing to work when I saw an old lady crossing the street. She was having a hard time. Cars were zooming past, ignoring the fact that the old lady was trying to cross. There was no crosswalk, but the sign says that cars should give way to pedestrians. Only, nobody was. So, even though I was already running late, I stopped to help her. I took her hand and I bravely stepped out onto the street, making every car stop as we crossed the street. And when we finally made it to the other side, I felt her grip my hand tightly. Thank you, kind sir. I looked down, and I finally got a look at her face. And what I saw surprised me. She was no old lady at all. She was dressed like one, as if in a disguise. But under all those clothes, she was a beautiful young lady. Probably the most gorgeous girl I had ever seen. I didn't even notice that her hands were so delicate and soft, without a single wrinkle on them at all. She smiled up at me and I felt myself blush. I'd never had a girl look at me like that before. Please. I need your help. I found myself saying something I never thought I would. Not on a day when my manager was supposed to do my evaluation. How can I help? I need you to hide me. People are after me. Take me to your house. Please, hide me! I saw the panic in her eyes. Heard the helplessness in her voice. And I knew then and there I had no choice. I had to. I held her hand the whole time and I traced my steps back to where my day started. I showed her into my small apartment, and that was where she told me everything. I gave her some food and drinks, and she devoured all of it in minutes. She smiled at me cutely, her eyes wide and grateful. I'm sorry. I'm starving. I haven't eaten in days. Priya told me everything. She was a princess, and when her father passed, the crown was supposed to go to her. Unfortunately, some cunning evil cousins were after the crown too, and because of their greed, they were prepared to do anything to get the crown. She was driven out of her home by these cousins, and now they were after her. She was living in a safe house with her security detail and the most loyal of her subjects. But when she least expected it, the cousins sent agents to capture her. There was a huge fight and she was separated from the people who were protecting her, in desperation, Priya fled on some fisherman's boat, and that was how she ended up so far away from home. My mind reeled. First of all, it was shocking enough to find out that a princess was sitting on my tiny couch in my messy flat, and to find out that she was embroiled in such a bizarre, larger-than-life struggle was honestly mind-blowing. I knew I needed to help her. I knew I had to do something. Suddenly... My job, 
my life and my annual evaluation seem inconsequential compared to her problems. So in the next few days, I did all I could to get her back in touch with her people. I googled and I asked as many friends as I could if they could help. All while keeping it hush-hush, of course. I didn't want to attract any unwanted attention. In case her cousins found out where she was. I let Priya live with me. It was such an awkward situation. I couldn't afford to put her up at a hotel, and she didn't want to anyway. Because being in public places scares her. So, she stayed at my tiny one-bedroom. And the strangest part of it is that I still had to work and live my life. She was often there alone. During those days, I noticed changes in my house. She would arrange things, clean them, and whenever I got home, there would be dinner waiting for me. She would serve me piping hot dishes that warmed my heart. I honestly didn't know how to feel or think. Here she was, a princess who probably had hundreds of maids, and she was serving me. She was looking after me, like she was some housewife who suddenly entered my dull, boring life. I can't say I didn't enjoy it. She was beautiful, and she was kind, and very interesting. It just all seemed so... surreal. After a few weeks of nothing, and having a princess living with me, I finally got a lead. Somehow, I managed to get in contact with one of her old supporters. He told me the same story she did. He said they were all safe and that they had transferred to a different safe house, and that they had been trying to look for Priya for months now. I got home that night and shared the good news with her. She jumped up in pure joy and kissed me on the cheek. Oh, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Zane. You don't know how happy this makes me. You saved my life. And now you've done it again. I can't believe this. I don't know how I would be able to repay you. We must go to them at once. And so, we did. The guy I contacted was called Gregory, one of her uncles, and he sent me coordinates for where to meet. It had to be completely secret. So, he flew over in the middle of the night and under a disguise. We met at a corner of some park, and I told him that Priya was safe in my apartment. We walked together, taking random U-turns and making detours everywhere just to make sure we weren't being followed. And when we finally got to my place, Priya hugged the man. She had tears in her eyes. I'm so, so glad to see you again, Uncle Gregory. I thought you had all been captured. Gregory smiled and winked at me. Just then, a knock came at the door. My heart stopped. Who could that be at this time of night? And then, before either of us could react, Gregory strode to the door and opened it. Priya screamed. There, at my door, were two girls, and they had the most evil grins on their faces. Good to see you again, cousin. Oh, and who's this? You didn't tell us you'd found yourself a handsome, strapping lad. I guess now that you won't be queen, I can have him. Not before I take him for myself. We were ever so hurt when you skipped town. Oh, I'm so glad Uncle Greg found you for us. Priya turned to her uncle with tears in her eyes. You. It was you. Yes, of course. I was the one who told them about our safe house, too. You still hadn't figured that out? <laughs> my, my. You really don't deserve the throne. Did you really think I would just let go of the fact that your father humiliated me and my family when he stripped us of that title? Oh, for a tiny tax mishap? You stole three million dollars from the treasury, and I still let you back into the fold. Well... Now it's your turn to be punished. Hmm, princess. I knew it was my only window. I had to act fast, or her life will be in danger once more. I had grown attached to Priya, so I did the only thing I can do. I kicked my chairs at them and I grabbed Priya and carried her. I ran as fast as I could. There were men outside the house. 
scary men. Luckily, I was very light on my feet and used to dodging people as a waiter. So, I got out of there with no trouble at all. I went on a loop and ended up going through the back gate of my apartment. I hid with Priya in the shed where I kept my old stuff. I figured they would never find us if we hid in the house we just escaped from. And I was right. They were gone in minutes. I packed my bags and made sure I got some blankets. I broke my piggy bank and took every single dollar out. I called my boss as we ran in the cover of darkness for the harbor. What do you mean you can't make it tomorrow? You've missed three workdays this month, Zane! And you missed your own annual evaluation! If you don't show, you're fired! That's fine, boss. I'm saving a literal princess's life at the moment, so I think that Trump's working for you. When we finally reached the harbor, we stayed in one of the boats, wrapped in blankets, until finally, at around four in the morning, the fisherman came in. I offered all the money I had, just for them to take us to Priya's country. It was a long journey, but when I told them our story, they offered to do it for free. And so, I snuck Priya back to her land, and once there, we were able to find her people. From all the evidence they gathered, they took her cousins and uncle to court, and once again, they were all stripped of their titles. Priya was reinstated as princess, and was soon to be crowned queen. It was then that she asked me to stay. And because I had nothing going for me back home, I said yes. At first, a lot of the aristocrats and nobles hated me. They said I didn't deserve to be king, that I was a nobody. But when Priya told them everything I did for her, they changed their minds, and the people loved me. They called me a national hero for saving their beloved princess. They even made a movie about Priya's journey and how I rescued her. Priya and I got married, and just before her coronation, thousands of people greeted us in the streets. And Priya was so beautiful that day. She asked me what I wanted the most in the whole world. It's to say thank you. For rescuing me. Anything in the world. I smiled. I already have what I want. Priya blushed. Although, if you wouldn't mind, there is one thing. Just one. It's done. Priya and I visited the restaurant I bought, and once we were there, I greeted my old boss. There were hundreds of people outside. Some of them were reporters curious about why a queen and her king were there. My boss's jaw dropped when he recognized me. I just smiled at him. I've never seen this place so full. Must be us coming to visit. Uh, oh, and by the way, boss, uh, uh, you're fired. Ever feel like someone's always watching you? You know the feeling, but when you turn around, nobody's there? Well, I get that feeling all the time. I don't even know when it started. All I know is that I've been starting to notice them when I began working for Elaine. I met her during a job fair. Our high school had a booth, and we were there so that us kids could learn what kinds of careers we could go into in the future. I was a computer whiz, and so I knew I wanted to be in an exciting startup or multi-billion dollar firm in Silicon Valley. I didn't even bother looking at the brochure Elaine gave me when I heard her company was offering a position as a back-end developer for a private investigator agency. I was voted most likely to take over Google, and I guess that went to my head a little. But months later, when I failed to secure a position at all the major companies in Silicon Valley, I was brought low. I guess you could say I was humbled. I didn't know the screening process and the requirements would be that stringent, and I didn't want to disappoint my family and my school, so I was seriously considering going to college even though I didn't want to. But then I realized how much money it would cost, and my parents weren't well off at all. I didn't want to work my whole life paying for student loans either. So after weighing my options, I instead applied for a tiny startup at some guy's basement. Their letter arrived the same day that I got a weird envelope from Elaine's private investigator firm. Once again, she offered me a job. She said she had been following my career as an amateur hacker. She must have Googled that I had participated in some hackathons in the state. Uh, I ignored her letter again, and I was about to actually sign my new contract with that startup when I took a glance at Elaine's letter and saw something I didn't even notice. 
At the very bottom of the letter, she wrote a number. I thought it was a phone number at first, so I didn't even see it. But the reason why it looked like a phone number was because of the amount of zeros. She was offering to pay me five times more than I would make at that startup. My hands began to tremble. I had to dial her number three times because I couldn't stop shaking from nervousness. Uh, hello? Henry, I've been waiting for your call. I'm glad you reached out. Uh, hi, Miss Elaine. I, I think there was an error in the letter you sent me. There seems to be too many zeros on this figure. Elaine laughed, and I only then noticed that she had such a beautiful voice. Oh, no, dear. That's what you'll be making if you work for us. There was no error. I couldn't believe my ears. I had to double check. No, triple check. Uh, are you sure? A and and it it'll be in my contract, right? <laughs> of course, sweetheart. Your contract's already drafted and waiting for you to sign it. I felt like I was floating. I felt like I won the lottery. Uh, when can I start? Come in at nine in the morning tomorrow. We wear ties here, so look sharp. You don't have to bring anything. The company will provide you with whatever you need. Laptops, servers, and however many monitors you want. I, I, I look forward to seeing you, Miss Elaine. Uh, thank you so much for this, this, this opportunity. Just call me Elaine. I'm only a few years older than you, after all. I didn't get to sleep that night. I tried, but I was buzzing with excitement. It felt like electricity was rushing through my body. When the clock hit seven, I got up, made myself breakfast, and got ready. I brushed my teeth twice, just to make sure, and I made my way to my new office. It was lucky that I decided to leave an hour earlier, because I had no idea where it was. The place was so tucked away in the middle of Chinatown that you wouldn't have guessed that such a fancy place was in there. The door was this tiny gate that didn't even have a sign. I only found out because I saw someone go in with a package that had the same logo as Elaine's letterhead. The gate led to a narrow alley, which led to a staircase, and when I went up, I realized that the agency was on top of the Chinese restaurant that I stood in front of for a good ten minutes. I guess for a private investigator agency, it really fit the bill. Only, you'd have to be an investigator as well if you wanted to find their offices. Elaine introduced me to my new colleagues. It was a small team. There were maybe four investigators, two clerks, an accountant, and me, the tech guy. But for some strange reason, there were always men and women. Some of them dressed in suits, the other wearing anything from mailman uniforms to gardener's outfits. They would all go through that one strange door at the end of the hall. But then I'd never see them come out. Miss Elaine, what's that door? Oh, that? It's not important. It's some other company. And that was the end of that. I sensed that Elaine wasn't going to tell me more, so I didn't press. The company gave me everything I wanted. When I wanted a new server room installed, they tore down an entire office for me and put in the best equipment and climate control that money could buy. Elaine bought me three laptops, all sporting the absolute latest GPUs that weren't even on the market yet. I coded software for the investigators to use. I developed apps for surveillance and communications. I programmed the software for their bugging and camera technologies that they used in the field. I was even able to create a program that made it easier for them to track a person's whereabouts without installing a tracker. With my work, Elaine's company was able to easily identify and find missing persons and other people who were on the run. I'm sure I'll get in trouble for saying this, but when we badly needed to find someone, I would hack into the street cameras in the city's CCTV network, and then I would use my very own facial recognition software to quickly rifle through millions of frames to find them. For the nastier persons of interest, I would fish them. Sometimes it'd be an official-looking announcement or someone trying to tell them they'd want something. We got the bad guys every single time. My desk was massive, and I had six monitors. I felt like the real deal. But that was when the strange occurrences began. One time, when I was standing by the water cooler waiting for my turn, the hairs on the back of my neck picked up. I quickly looked behind me and saw that the camera CCTV was staring right at me. I stared into it, confused. I swear that thing's looking at me. Uh, sorry, what? I looked back at the camera, only to find it facing the other direction. I shook my head in confusion. N nothing. I was just imagining things. 
It didn't stop there, though. There were times when I'd be the only one left in the office, and I'd get that feeling again. The one where you feel someone's looking at you. But when I looked outside the windows, when I checked every room in the office, there was nobody else. One evening, I had to run out of there, because all the cameras in the room began pointing towards me. It was so creepy. But even at home, I didn't feel safe. I would lay awake at night just listening to the noises because I felt like someone was following me. One time, I swear I heard a camera click, but when I looked outside my window, there was nothing. Just an owl sitting on a tree. Some days, I would wear dark sunglasses, wear hats, and the most boring of jackets just to blend into the crowd and avoid someone following me or recognizing me. Once, I could have sworn I caught someone with a camera following me, and that was when I began having my theories. I'd always wondered why I felt so special. Why my life was like a movie. Like it was all fake. And then I realized it is. My life is probably a movie. And that was why there were cameras following me. Another theory I had was that the government was watching me. It kept me up at night. They probably know that I was hacking into their systems for our company. And I was so scared that they'd one day jump out of the bushes and arrest me. My last theory was a bit more far-fetched, but if it wasn't either of the first two, I thought it would be that. I theorized that I was living in a simulation. It was probably why things felt too easy, and maybe that door at the back of the office was a glitch. People kept going in, but they never came out. And then there was Elaine's office. I knew that glass panel was a two-way mirror. I could tell. So one random day, I decided to find out for myself. What was in her office? Was it just a normal office? Was it a producer's room for my life's movie? Were the government agents hiding there? Or was it just a bunch of wires supporting our simulation life? All I knew is that that secretive room had all the answers. So I got up from my desk and opened the door. My colleagues all stood up at the same time and tried to stop me. But it was too late. In that room was Elaine. There were hundreds of monitors. The largest of them showed my empty desk. There were at least 20 of them showing various areas of my house. One of them was walking through a crowded street. Another was just outside the Chinese restaurant. I, I knew it. They were producing the movie of my life. I was so ready to blurt it out when Elaine panicked and confessed to everything. I... I'm so sorry. I brought you here because I have a huge crush on you. I, I wanted to know your every move, but I couldn't bring up the courage to tell you. I've been watching you since we met on that hackathon five years ago. I'm calling the cops. Please, please don't. It's all my fault, but please, I'll lose my job. Finally, I had something to bargain with. I'd wanted to know what that door at the end of the hall was, and Elaine finally confessed. Our agency was fake. The door at the end of the hall was the entrance to a secret government facility. They enter at the door and come out of a tunnel two blocks away. And all this time, I had been working as a spy. No wonder I was earning so much. Elaine was my handler, and after that day, she finally took me through that door. And I became a real spy. Now, Elaine and I work on international cases. I still catch her watching me sometimes, but it doesn't bother me anymore. Especially now that she's my girlfriend. Ever since I was in high school, I wanted to start my own business. The idea of becoming the boss of my own company and managing a group of employees under me really fascinated me. When I told this to my dad, he looked at me as if I had lost my mind. Ethan, just focus on your studies and find a proper job. You already know that we can't afford to invest in some risky business. He shook his head. It's already hard enough to pay for your school. I never asked you to invest, Dad. I told him. I've done some research, and I think I can take out a loan, and... You'll do no such thing! Dad suddenly interrupted me. We're already under a huge debt. Don't make things worse. That was the end of the conversation. It was clear that my family wasn't going to support me in my decision. So, I moved out as soon as I turned 18. I only had a meager amount of savings with me, which I used to rent a small room in a shady part of the city. And obviously, I didn't have money for college, so that was out of the question. But I wasn't going to give up on my dream. I spent about two weeks in my cramped room, forming a business plan and presentation. I was confident about my ideas. Now, I just had to impress the bank manager and take out a loan to get started. 
I was stopped at the entrance of the bank by the security guard. He measured me from head to toe, narrowing his eyes at my clothes. This isn't a place for homeless people. Go back, he sneered. Excuse me? I glared at him. Is that how you talk to your customers? I'm here for some work. He blocked my way and started arguing with me. Just then, a man wearing a crisp black suit stepped out of the bank. My eyes fell on his ID card. He was the bank manager, Daniel. What's going on? What's all this ruckus? Daniel frowned and then took in my appearance. What's with those filthy clothes? Who allowed you to come here? I was shocked at his tone. Um, I'm sorry, but how does my coming here relate to my clothes? I'm just a regular customer of this bank, and I wanted to take out a loan for my business. I made a detailed proposal and wanted to discuss it with you. Daniel started laughing. <laughs> Are you serious? Customer of this bank? I bet you don't even have a single penny in your account. That was true, but he didn't have to humiliate me for it. Who the heck made this rude guy the bank manager? He snatched the papers containing the business details from my hand and tossed them in the dustbin. I froze in my spot, unable to form words. Stop wasting my time, he yawned. This bank is no place for illiterates like you. The security guard started dragging me away from the entrance. My body was trembling with rage. You're going to regret this, I yelled at Daniel. I'll come back again and get you kicked out of here. Then we'll see who's the real illiterate one here. He just rolled his eyes. Yeah, 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 keep dreaming. I got back home and fell into despair. What happened at the bank was something I could never have anticipated. That guy not only insulted me, but also belittled my dreams. I was feeling hopeless and defeated. When my doorbell suddenly rang, that was weird. I never get visitors. I opened to find two women standing in front of me. Um, hi, I'm Jessica, Daniel's wife, and this is my daughter, Bella. The older lady introduced while pointing toward her daughter. I crossed my arms across my chest. What? Did Daniel send you to ridicule me further? Go ahead and make fun of my living conditions. I want to see what you come up with. Oh, no. Please don't lump me together with that loser. Bella made a face. I'm already ashamed to be related to him. Huh? Was she being serious? We saw everything that happened at the bank, Jessica said sadly. I'm really sorry about Daniel. I must have been really out of my mind when I fell in love with that man. Seriously, Mom? Bella sighed, touching my arm. You should have chosen someone like Ethan. He's so cool and composed, not to mention insanely smart. Jessica smiled. Well, I can always choose him now. My eyes widened. Uh, just what was going on? Both of them started laughing when they saw how puzzled I was. Sorry to confuse you. I was talking about your business proposal. Jessica waved some papers in front of me. Bella and I picked it out from the trash, and it was definitely worth it. This is a genius plan. We're interested in investing. My jaw dropped. Uh, wait, what? You mean you want to fund my startup? Yes, Ethan. Bella nodded, coming closer to me. We really like your ideas. And I think it's going to be successful. If funding is the problem, then leave it to us. Could this day get any more bizarre? First, I was kicked out by the bank manager, and now his wife and daughter wanted to help me? Well, I wasn't complaining. It's not like I had anything to lose, so I thanked them and agreed to their suggestion. And within the next few days, I had my own office in front of the very same bank that had refused my entry. Bella and Jessica may have helped me with it, but I was still very careful not to waste a single penny. My lifestyle hadn't changed. I was surviving on instant noodles and wearing rag-like clothes. Any and every profit that I made from my business was reinvested back into it. Of course, my work didn't go unnoticed by Daniel. 
Him and his stupid colleagues were obsessed with me. Yeah, obsessed is the right word for it. They couldn't just leave me alone. They made it a point to stop by my office every day and make sarcastic comments in front of my clients and customers. Thankfully for me, my clients had brains and didn't pay attention to them. One day, they played a really humiliating prank on me. I came to my office and was bathed with dirty sewage water as soon as I opened the door. I heard loud laughter and looked up to find Daniel and his friends watching me and clicking pictures on their phone. Would you look at that? Is that a new trend among homeless people these days? Daniel sneered. <laughs> your childishness makes me believe that you're back in 8th grade, Daniel. I smirked. Make sure you take your lessons properly this time. Don't want you growing into an illiterate and immature adult again. Daniel fisted his hands, looking embarrassed as his colleague snickered at him. How dare you! Do you think you can- Tad, stop this nonsense! Bella came rushing to my side and gasped when she saw my state. Bella? Uh, what are you doing here? Daniel asked in surprise. I'm here to see Ethan, she replied angrily. I can't believe I just witnessed you pulling pranks on a guy who's like half your age. Are you really that insecure? Uh, 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 what? Daniel's eyes flashed. How can you take his side? I'm your dad. I wish you weren't. Bella yelled at him and I felt sorry for her. I glanced around and noticed Jessica standing in a corner and watching everything silently. She seemed to be equally mad, but her eyes were glued onto Bella's hand that was holding mine. Why did she seem... jealous? Maybe I was just imagining things. I see now! You've been using my daughter's kindness for this crappy business of yours! Daniel glared at me. No matter what you do, you'll never be worthy of her! Don't even get any funny ideas in your head! Shut up! You have no right to say that, Bella intervened. Daniel just huffed and walked away, his minions following after him. Bella turned to me with sad eyes. I'm so sorry, Ethan. You don't deserve to be treated this way. It's fine. It's not your fault anyway. You've already done a lot for me, and I'm really grateful. I can't wait until the day I can pay you back. Bella opened her mouth to protest, but was interrupted by Jessica, who came and just hugged me without warning. Whoa! I'm really dirty right now! I exclaimed. I don't care! Let me just have this moment, Ethan! Jessica sobbed. I'm feeling so ashamed on my husband's behalf! Bella pulled her away from me. Mom, are you crazy? Go and talk to your husband if you're that concerned. Leave Ethan alone! Jessica frowned. You're still a kid, Bella. Stay out of this. I watched the two of them in shock as they argued back and forth. Why did it feel like they were competing over me? Whatever. Jessica turned away from Bella and handed me a business card. This is the bank director's contact. He's a really good man. You should talk to him. After she left, Bella grabbed my hand. Ethan? I'm not as influential as my mom, and I can't do much to help you, but I really like you. Will you go out with me? I'd understand if you want to say no. Why would I say no, silly? I smiled and shook my head. I like you too, Bella. And no, it's not because you're helping me or because you're rich. I like you as a person. It'd be a pleasure to date you. That's how Bella and I started dating. Jessica didn't seem very pleased with this and tried to always cause a rift between us. But I ignored her and focused on my business, which had really taken off within a matter of weeks. I was now rich enough to live in a bungalow, wear branded clothes, and drive a Lambo. People were queuing up in front of my workspace for job interviews. The same bank employees who used to mock me were now jealously eyeing my Lambo. Some even applied for a job in my company, but of course I had no use for jerks like them. Now, there was only one thing left to do. Meeting the bank director with a very special business proposal, I entered the bank, only to come face to face with Daniel again. Who let you in? You won't get any loan from this bank! He shrieked. Security! Throw him out! I'm here to meet the director, I said calmly.
This world doesn't revolve around you. Get out of my way. But he didn't listen. Once again, the security guard dragged me out. My employees were enraged to see this and started a massive protest rally right outside the bank. Daniel's face went pale. I bet he wasn't expecting this. The media arrived to cover the protest, and moments later, the director arrived too. He immediately walked up to me and escorted me inside. Daniel was sweating buckets at this point. My meeting with the director was not about getting a loan, but rather, I wanted a stake in the bank. Everything went smoothly, and I was able to sign the deal. Everyone was summoned inside, and the director announced me as the majority shareholder. And so the power to take decisions is with Mr. Ethan, he told everyone. And I almost laughed out loud when I saw Daniel's face. He knew he was doomed. This bank will now work on providing loans to young entrepreneurs. And we want employees who recognize talent. And you? I pointed at Daniel. You're fired. And so are your minions. What? You can't do this! He protested. He can, and he did, Bella said, coming to my side and flaunting her engagement ring to the crowd. What do you think now, Dad? Isn't he very worthy of me? She let out a sarcastic smile. Daniel was speechless. Just then, there was a loud shriek and Jessica emerged from the crowd, looking frustrated and angry. And I'm leaving you, you sorry excuse of a human! She tossed the divorce papers at his face. I couldn't help but recall the day I had first met him. I told him he'd regret it. My name is Tegwin Evian, and looking at me, my disheveled hair, and wrinkled uniform, you may not think I'm critical to a story such as this one. But the truth is, I am, and always have been, stuck in the middle. And the uniform isn't exactly my fault. After all the things I have to look out for in the day, I can't spare time ironing shirts in the morning. Ever since I was a kid, I've run into trouble at every corner, finding people in distress that I somehow managed to pull from their tense state. If someone in a crowd had something wrong with them, I'd somehow manage to find them. If someone were sick or hurting, I'd always be able to get them the help they needed. No one... Not even my parents realized just what I went through every day. It got to the point where I'd come home from the elementary school run dry of notebooks and pencils after giving them away to those that needed them more. Growing up was even worse. Even when I was made fun of in middle school for the lack of supplies I had, or my odd clothing choices that I adored with my whole heart, I still managed to find the ones searching for help. With a hug and some sweet words, They'd be on their merry way, leaving me behind. Friends fell behind after getting what they needed. Crushes left me unnoticed. I was essentially a doormat for anyone and anything. And why? I'm still trying to figure that out this very day. Middle school was mostly just a learning experience for me. A place to grow and learn from my mistakes, as for everyone. But... One thing did stick. A girl I met, one I had helped, Maria Hazelbrook. I remember meeting her flawlessly. My mind keeps it in crystal clear condition at the far back for whenever I want to smile upon something. I had helped her in class during a test, allowing her to cheat off of my paper while I distracted the teacher with an imaginary fight in the hallway after returning from the bathroom. Sure, I got detention for a week after that, but the look she gave me was priceless. Her smile stuck in my head. Eventually, she and I started talking, exchanging numbers, and texting each night. She was the first person that had ever been that close to me. Eventually, I graduated from middle school and we split. She was forced to go to a high school that was separate from mine. I had never felt more alone in my life as I entered the doors of the high school, shivering in fear. Crowds upon crowds of friends piled together, talking loudly and laughing as they spoke of their new classes. All I could think about was what she'd say if she were there. How we would laugh and bound up the stairs recklessly, taking on our classes together. But instead, I found myself sitting in a seat with strangers surrounding me. 
That whole day was about to fall apart until someone new walked in. She was gorgeous. And I mean gorgeous in the way she held herself. How she seemed as though she didn't notice how amazing she looked. It seemed as if she had recently dyed her hair a deep pink, complimenting her bright blue eyes that darted to the floor in avoidance of the glances around her. She awkwardly shuffled to the back of the room before taking a seat next to me and filing through her bag. And I knew at that very moment that I had something to look forward to. No one seemed to pay attention to her, much like me, rather chatting amongst themselves. She was in her own world, opening her notebook and scribbling in the answers to the opening questions on the board for our first year English class. Simple questions. I found myself unable to focus on that entire class, my face heating as I stared down at my blank paper. The days fly by with her next to me. Other classes were easy enough, and I had no struggle with passing. But in English, my grade was beginning to drop. I thought that maybe my dumb luck with helping others may have some sort of effect on her. But to my dismay, she was always put together. Always more than perfect. I found myself stuck between Maria and the new girl. Every time I seemed to get closer, Maria seemed to catch on, tossing in a few negative thoughts about what she could be. I never understood why she was so protective, questioning me about if I had gotten into any relationships, trying to push herself back into my life. I missed her, I did, but it was too much. The year passed and I moved into the summer. I had managed to learn the girl's name and grab her number after some close encouragement from a classmate. Aura McCarthy. Summer was going to be amazing. Maria and I had fallen out, talking less and less as I got more and more involved, not realizing that other eyes seemed to be on me as well. Aura and I only grew closer as summer proceeded at agonizingly fast speeds. We hit the movies a few times and even had a few meals out together every blue moon. But the messaging was constant. Her bubbly tone kept me awake at night, smiling like an idiot as I looked forward to sophomore year. And sophomore year hit like a truck. My classes were simple and enjoyable, but Aura and I had absolutely no classes together. Our lunch periods were even separated. It was as if the universe tore us from each other just as things started getting good. The year before, I had been given the chance to join a mythology class that was commonly for juniors and seniors. But with my promising grades and supposed bright future, I was able to save myself a spot. That was the class that was the rotten cherry on top of the garbage Sunday. Though the class itself was wonderful, the people in it were intolerable. Four girls were constantly chatting in the corner, dressed to fit their popularity statuses, which were clearly high seeing as the teacher didn't say a single thing with each insult or curse that fell from their lips. Every once in a while, I'd catch a stray gaze and dart my eyes away to keep myself from getting into deeper waters than I already was being in that class at all. That entire week, my so-called talent had come into use in many different instances. I had stopped a poor girl in the hallway from being trampled, prevented a fight from breaking out by leading one of the parties away, and even stopped a teacher from blowing up on a student. But the only thing that was important to me was getting to the end of that week, after something life-changing had been planned. In October of sophomore year, Aura had asked me to walk her home. To many, this might have seemed casual, like a friend asking another to keep them company. But with her, it was something entirely different. I was sure of it. She reached out after weeks of little contact. It had to be something, didn't it? Friday night, the rest of the week was pointless. Tests and assignments flying by my mind as I reached the front of the school in a jog my hands gripping the straps of my backpack like a lifeline before I exited the building. My eyes darted around the heads of those around me, searching for that familiar pink that made me light up to match the hue. A few agonizing minutes, 
before I saw her bright smile and excitedly waving hands. Just as she had asked, we walked, exiting the school's premises and making our way to a crossroad where she paused. She had frozen in place, tilting her head in curiosity at the scene before her, of a familiar figure waving their hands, with brown waves that toppled over her shoulders to her lower back, bouncing with her movements. Maria. Rushing over, she slid an arm around mine and gripped it tightly with a smile, even brighter than Aura's. All I could do was stare in awe as the two girls held either of my arms and began to converse. Maria's venomous tone highly outweighing the light-heartedness that Aura brought to the table. Each period made Maria grip my arm tighter before she turned to me and spoke. Hegwin! God, I've missed you so much! I feel like we haven't seen each other in ages, so I thought I'd rush over to say hello before you walked home. I really didn't mean to interrupt anything at all. Aura broke through the silence that I nervously had supplied with a sweet comment. Don't worry! He was just walking me home. I'm sure this isn't a problem. Once I'm there, you two can run off. But we had planned this, so it'd be really nice if... Uh, you could go? I interrupted Aura, nudging Maria with a helpless look in my eyes. This was the one chance I had with her, to walk her home and confess how I felt. Unfortunately, to no avail, seeing as Maria simply shook her head and kept us walking. Aura's arm had gradually slipped from mine, until she was walking across another crossroad ahead of us in a rush to get away from the tense situation. Without looking up at the light, a bright yellow gleam pooled on her frame, as a car approached, causing me to break from Maria and rush forward. All I could think about was getting her away from that moment, whether it be the adrenaline pulsing through me as I fought to get away from Maria, or knowing what disaster could have sparked if I hadn't jumped in the way risking all I had in that very moment. Our bodies collided and we pummeled to the ground, twisting and turning onto the sidewalk where I laid on top of her. Dust and gravel coated my body as I coughed. She began to punch my chest from below. She was less than amused. Seriously? Was there nothing else you could have done? She yelled, staring down at her ruined clothing and the traffic that was now held up due to the fumble. The cars had luckily not crashed rather fell into a standstill as the argument raged forth. I'm leaving! Don't try to follow me! Don't talk to me! Nothing! And you! She eyed Maria, sniffling. Hope you're happy! With that, who I thought was the love of my life stormed off into a crowded road of worried citizens that tried to aid her in her venture. I was left staring at what I had created. Maria's hand on my shoulder only made me angrier as I lightly shoved it off. Next time... When I say go, just listen to me. You ruined what I had! I turned, groaning as I made my way home, without another word. The next day felt miserable. Each hour that passed had no meaning to it. I felt as though I had lost the few friends I had by saving a life. I was so stuck in my own mind that I didn't see the chatter amongst the crowds that I passed, or the fingers being pointed as people spread around what had happened. Murmurs of a boy being yelled at after saving a poor girl's life pooled along the hallways, entering and leaving everyone's minds within minutes of the school's opening. I was a celebrity without even knowing it. While walking to my mythology class, I had even received a pat on the back or two, pushing past it as a mishap or some sort of miscommunication between friends. But the moment I stepped into the classroom, I knew something was amiss. Everyone went silent as I made my appearance, including the usually rather talkative side of the room, who were all staring and tilting their heads in curious manners. One specifically, the girl who seemed to be the queen bee of the group, stood and approached my stiff stance, her soft blonde hair swaying to match the sickeningly sweet gaze that met my nervous one as she reached out to take my hand. I felt as though I may pass out as her fingers intertwined with mine and her eyes burned a hole into my heart. Then she opened her lips to finally speak. I heard about what you did. For that girl? Her eyes trailed around the room. I don't think I've ever known someone as bold as you are. I mean, really, you threw yourself in front of a car. 
She looked back to me, squeezing my hand and leaning in to whisper something in my ear. Why don't we meet after school? I stood there, frozen for another minute as she returned to her group, before shakily taking a seat and realizing what I had gotten myself into. The class ran along with eyes on me at all times, causing me to pay little to no attention as I awaited the end of the day with a tapping foot and shaking hands. Finally, the last bell rang. I wasn't sure where she expected me to find her. In fact, I wasn't even sure I wanted to see her at all. But the way she held my hand... I just couldn't bring myself to ditch her. Plus, I had somehow gained even more glances after that little expression of adoration. I once more stepped out of the school to find the blonde running up to me. Her cheeks pink and her eyes a beautiful deep blue to match her ivory skin tone. Once more, my hand was grabbed as her smile grew. Her friends had gone home by that point, leaving just her and me in a bustling crowd of students. Amongst it, Aura watching from afar as the girl leaned forward. I'm Gwen. Gwen Whittle. And I'm about to change your life. And she did. I walked her home that day, and the day after that, and the day after that, and gradually, I started getting noticed. People reached out to talk to me, and I found that part of me enjoyed it. Aura was in the past. Maria was dropped. I had a friend group and everything I wanted, including Gwen. Throughout the year, I thought she was some sort of snake, preying on those lower than her. But I saw that she reached out to those in need every day, bringing them into her friend group just as she did with me. And rumors became truth. She and I ended up getting tied up into an intimate relationship as Aura and Maria seethed behind closed doors. It was perfect. And that's how my odd luck got me a seat next to the Queen Bee. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.